Welcome to the Synapse Nips Podcast, where we explore the power of health and healing. On this podcast, we will be talking with health experts, professionals, and leaders about hot topics in the world of health. Whether it's tools to help you flourish, successful stories to inspire, or tips to optimize your health, Synapse Nips is here to help you take the first steps towards living your best life. We get a lot of questions about thermography because of the desire to not do mammograms yeah, that's a good for, start. for women's health. Yeah. I think it's really important, though, to know where that line is because it's not a replacement. No. Full out. And we have people that come in, and actually the FDA's cracked down on that, too. Like, you can't call it even a diagnostic test. Yeah. So this is, like, when we talk about women's health in particular, because th- that's usually who comes in. Um, wanting to do thermography. Anytime I talk to the person, I, I have a very specific thing that I go through because what we do is not a diagnosis. It can't find breast cancer. It can't find any of the disease like that. It's considered a, a, a health risk assessment, essentially, is what it is. And what we do with the information, so if nobody's done a thermography, maybe we should even back up and say, what's thermography? Yeah, let's right? go through that, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> the ther- thermography is... It's a thermal image. You're looking at heat release from the skin and nothing more than that. I always say there's two different types of imaging. There's functional imaging and there's structural imaging. You can get the structure assessed with like an x-ray. It's going to see the bones. It's going to see the insides like an MRI, something like that. Mm -hmm. A functional type of test is going to show not not anything structural, but what's going on with the function of the body. We do a lot of these tests in the office, right? We do our BIA where we assess body composition. That's a kind of a functional way of looking at stuff. Um, Thermography is the same way, where if you've got heat coming off the body in in a way that's atypical or, you know, not normal, that can lead you to certain other questions about the person's health, but it's not saying anything flat out. So I think when we look at breast health in particular, we're looking for, on a, ther- on a thermography type image, we're looking to see, is there abnormal heat release? Is the right side and the left side equal? Because you know if, if you've got one side that's lit up like a Christmas tree because all the heat release and the other side's not, that's a red flag. But if they're even, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and in looking at, then, at that then, we say, th- there's certain things that we, can, that we can say for sure. It's probably not normal, but we don't, can't guarantee it. We need to have further assessment done, really, in order to, to clean up and clarify what's going on. Um, and often, what we'll do is we'll say, let's refer for a structural image, MRI, ultrasound, or even mammogram, depending on the person. Now, the yeah. mammogram gets a bad rap because of the radiation. That's you know, and there's concerns about that, obviously. Yeah. But there are certain people who have higher risk that should get assessed in that way. But that's why we do the thermography, is to say, let's make this a multi-step process to make people feel more comfortable. Can you comment a little bit on uh, the difference about when it comes to women and inflammation versus uh, the potential of the thermography uh, picking that up? Um, is Is it possible for the thermography to actually catch some stuff that a mammogram might miss? Um, just because of the the way that it's uh, being assessed. Yeah, so like we said, a mammogram is strictly structural. So it's not going to tell you anything about blood flow. It's not going to tell you anything about, I mean, if there's a blood flow issue, it's often because of 
uh, either like lymphatic congestion, right, which is going to lead you into detoxification and hormones and that whole side of things. It can be from abnormal growth, which then a mammogram would catch. But the thermography, as often said, you can see functional changes in some people prior to seeing structural changes. And so if we can catch something, because we've, we've done that before thermography, yeah, right? person yeah. doesn't know anything's going on, doesn't feel anything. And we see something, they go and get checked, and it's like, oh, there's something abnormal here, and let's figure out what it is. It's not always cancer. Sometimes it is. Yeah. But the flip side is worth saying, too, we've had people where the thermography is normal, and they found that they had breast cancer. Yeah. I know we had at least one of those yes, in the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. So it's not perfect. No, no. It's a good tool in the toolbox. Absolutely. To uh, for me personally, there's one memory that sticks out, and it was uh, one of our patients, a uh, male, who had a pretty debilitating uh, stomach pain, and he'd had a, a couple botched surgeries um, as far as, uh, or complicated, not botched. It was complications from multiple surgeries for a gastric bypass. And we did a thermography because I just wanted to get a sense of what was hot and what was cold in the area. And his abdomen right in that surgical area, just, it just lit up and he could see the problems. And then where, where there was scar tissue was pretty cold. It was like, uh, it was very visible. So, but uh, something very unique happened. He, he just started crying because for the first time uh, he could see his pain. In a picture, he could see his pain and that was a game changer for him. All of a sudden, he switched over and he said, it's not in my head, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to, to go off of it. We did a, we did some corrections there to based off of the thermography, the read, and did a, a little bit of physical work on it to try and get him uh, advancing a little bit. And it, although it wasn't very pleasant for him, it helped quite a bit in the outcome. But it was the mental side of it that gave gave him the boost of certainty of uh, this is a real thing and I can move forward. So uh, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. It definitely, yeah. definitely happened in that case. Yeah. And I, you know, the, with thermography in general, he mentioned the certainty. And one thing that we do, and this is, uh, you know, there's certain guidelines around this, but if you've got um, a normal structural image and a, like, a, like a mammogram or, or ultrasound, and a normal thermography, mm-hmm. we'll use the thermography kind of in between the times where you would do a structural image to be more proactive. Because like we said, we can see, if all of a sudden you've got five normal thermographies in a row that look the exact same and the sixth one looks weird, even if you haven't done anything else, that clues us in to say, hey, something's wrong. Yeah. In a thermography, you're not getting radiation. You get a little bit cold because you have to be in a temperature-controlled room. Yes. But other than that, the risks are not the same as other other. I'm glad you said that because that's one of the things that we uh, have been running into. There's a lot of uh, facilities that actually don't take proper thermography pictures. Yeah, because of that control. Because you're, they don't have the control. And that's something we're very, very specific on. Mm-hmm. And we even created a, a room with its own thermostat for that that uh, piece of the puzzle so that we can get accurate information. Yeah, without that, you can't do a comparison. Yeah. So you, ideally, to do a comparison, you want the same same camera, but then you also want the same um, temperature settings. This is why... Same environment. We, the same environment. This is why when we, when we do a thermography, we're writing down, and I should say it's Christine that does the thermography. She's writing down what 
temperature are we starting at? What temperature are we ending at? What's the temperature at the beginning of the, like if it's a full exam, what's the temperature at the beginning of the breast portion of the exam? Yeah. To make sure that if we're going back and comparing and we see something weird, we can check that variable. Mm-hmm. If that yeah. variable's off, it gives us less certainty. If it's the same like it should be, then we have a lot more concrete certainty on things. What else? Uh, we're asking Dr. Josh a lot of this too uh, because Dr. Josh did a lot of extra work and study in uh, the interpretation of thermography and the reading of thermography. So he's uh, had, uh, done a lot of the research here. Uh, we also have Marquis here and Dr. Natalie's with us to talk about some women's health, which we're going to move into. But other than the breast health, what else has been a, a pleasant surprise to you as far as uh, um, thermography and what it can pick up? Yeah. Two things come to mind. One, I mentioned lymphatic issues. You see that in legs, arms. You definitely see it in the even the abdomen, chest, really anywhere. If there's, if there's an increase heat release, very often it's from poor either poor circulation or, or poor removal of lymphatic fluid. And lymphatic fluid is essentially your your garbage collection system, yeah. right? And that garbage collection system doesn't have a heart to pump it. It's pumped through physical activity, breathing, muscles. But if there's an injury or if there's muscle tightness or if there's a lack of mobility, and there's a lot of other reasons too, that lymph is going to stagnate. And I see a lot where the primary issue in a person's thermography looks to be a lymphatic issue, which is going to clue you into, uh, like I said, hormone issues, uh, detoxification issues more generally. And so that's always a really good clue when I tell people and walk them through a thermography read. It's like, this tells us that there's something else going on in your system. We don't know exactly what it is. We've got some clues. But then we can go and look and say, what is it that's causing this abnormal thermography? And we've seen that play a role. We've seen iodine play a role in some of these things, too. Vitamin D. Vitamin D. And so then we can go back and and track in another way that most people won't track. Say, hey, look, your thermography is way improved because we've been working on this system. The second thing I was going to say was dental health. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've got a lit up spot on your face, why is that? And very yeah. often it's because of inflammation, infection, some sort of tooth problem. And people underestimate tooth problems. Yes, they do. Big time. Yeah. If you've got a sore spot, you've got inflammation there, that can cause gut problems. It can cause immune problems. It can cause breast problems. It can cause a whole bunch of things. And so we clue into these very specific things, and those are some of the big ones that I look at. That's that for me. That's one of the, my favorite things is to find something like that. Uh, we now can refer to dentists who have cone mm-hmm. CT scans to find some of the uh, harder to find uh, problems because a lot of our patients say or don't think they have a dental issue, and when you can identify a dental issue that's causing a lymphatic or breast issue then that's a huge find. Uh, that's been a nice, pleasant surprise for me. So with your comment on, on detox, uh, I want to open it up here a little bit and uh, just talk a little bit about women's health and um, the ability to detox or inability to detox. So uh, Marquis, being a woman, <laughs> yes, yes. being married to a woman, uh, f- uh, for you, I know you've kind of um, helped organize more of the the programs we have here whether it be the thermography or the uh, hocket scenario but just in in general as far as um, working with people how much of a demand is there for uh, women's women wanting to detox just from what you've seen <laughs> oh it's a huge demand I mean there's yeah, I think most patients that come through our door yeah need to detox <laughs> yeah as a starting point for everybody 
So when it comes to detox, that word can kind of be taken a bunch of different ways. So I want to get real clear on what that means. Anyone here want to comment on what is what is the word detox? When we say detox at Synapse, what does that mean? A lot different than what our social media says, I would say, too, because I feel like when women specifically are targeted for detoxing, it's usually them spending hundreds of dollars on a juice cleanse for Mm -hmm. a week or something like that Mm -hmm. um, without supporting our natural detox processes. That's why I tell people, your body is built to detox. You've got organs, the kidney, the liver, your skin, the lymphatic stuff we talked about that do detox. That's what they do. But if you don't have those raw materials there, it's like a like a manufacturing plant, right? You got to take this thing, you got to modify it, and kick it out of the body. And sometimes that process is broken just because you don't have the right nutrients. And that's where, like you, like Dr. Natalie said, having a targeted detox where where we're trying to figure out what is it exactly that's missing because mm-hmm. detox is not one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the organs that help us detox? Let's talk about that a little bit because I think I think people don't. Uh, understand all the different ways we can detox. So how about we just do a, like a little round table and throw out an organ. What's your favorite <laughs> organ for detox? <laughs> what would you what would you say, Dr. Natalie? What's your favorite organ for detox? Um, my favorite organ would actually probably be skin because I feel like it's forgotten about a lot. And especially when we're talking about like just getting I'm saying that's the best one. Yeah. Everyone wants skin. No one wanted liver? I thought liver was going to be number one. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, well, that's why you're here, because, uh, yeah, um, we need the woman to talk about skin. (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of things, too, are, like, people don't understand how important it actually is to sweat and get those chemicals out of the skin, Um, especially with women's health, too. A lot of people complain about, like, pimples and acne and stuff, and if we're not clearing out those pores, then it does back up and cause issues like that as well. It's actually one of my favorite things about the Hocket because the Hocket has two different types of saunas and it it makes women sweat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have had this conversation more times than I, I care to remember about how important it is to sweat. And I've heard many times women say, that's gross. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And unfortunately, the main reason why they think it's gross is because they've smelt their husband sweat. <laughs> and so guys tend to have less of an issue with wanting to sweat. Um, I always loved having good sweat. But the, the hocket, um, that's, that's one of the, the nine or ten things it can do uh, when we bring women in to help them detox. And you cannot... Um, do more for the skin than actually getting that water that you're taking in to go through your system and, and clean it out, mm-hmm. uh, clean out the whole the whole body and the skin is so important. What's another uh, favorite organ or way of detoxing? <laughs> favorite organ. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a favorite organ. How else can we detox? Favorite organ. Um, I think one also that's overlooked is uh, bowel function. Yep. And it's it's one of those things where people might say, hey, I've got normal bowel movements, I go twice a week. It's like, well, that's going to back you up and yes. cause some big issues. Because everything that you're trying to dump out of your liver, I'm going to save the liver for yes. you, Troy. You Thank you. I've liver. been like jumping in my seat <laughs> after someone said liver. But uh, when, you, when you're detoxing, you're pushing a lot of stuff into your intestinal tract. And if it just sits there for days and you're not having a good bowel movement, that stuff is going to turn more toxic, it can get reabsorbed, it can be a whole big problem. And so constipation is one of my 
pet peeves. Some yes. Because that some people think it's normal to only go a couple a couple times a week, and it's not. It is not. You will back up your lymph system so much, and yeah. we have a nice saying here. Uh, many people have heard, "You are what you eat," but you are what you don't eliminate. So that's <laughs> yeah. more accurate. Yes. Um, all right. Well, so some of the other detoxifying organs, one that I think it's missed more than, uh, than not is the lungs. Mm. And so the lungs are a filter for inside and outside world. And we're meant to exchange oxygen for carbon dioxide and air quality is very, very important. And if you clog up that filter, you're in trouble. And if you want to understand whether or not you're doing well with your lungs, if you're able to get up, go for a sprint. And just see how your lungs feel. If your lungs can handle a sprint, you're doing pretty well. If you can handle a couple minutes of sprinting, you're doing great. If your lungs can't, if you're coughing up a fur ball, phlegm ball type thing (laughs) from just a 10-second sprint, then there's a conditioning scenario where part of your main detoxifying organ is not working so well. So so that one and then kidneys for me is another one that uh, helps us detox that I think gets overlooked quite a bit. So... Those ones are, are just very important. But when you address all of those factors and you're able to detoxify, it, it helps living in a toxic world to be able to just improve your detox, detoxifying organs. So for, for us, when it comes to women's health, those are some pretty significant areas to always be looking at as far as their skin, their liver, their bowels, their uh, kidneys, and their lungs, just to, just to allow that that uh, whatever they're being exposed to, to to get out of their system. Well, I think we should, we mentioned the hocket. So we've got a lot of ways that we promote detoxification. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people ever, most people listening to this are going to say, what is a hocket? Right, yes. (laughs) But I think we should kind of describe not just that, but what's the process, like when we look at detoxification, it's not just giving an elimination diet and a detox shake, right? There's, yeah. there's a lot more that we do to try to promote that detoxification. Um, and so I, I guess I'll, I'll pose the question, what does that process look like here in our clinic? That's a great question because what we just talked about, we want to boost your innate response to get the chemicals that you're exposed to out of the body. We know Every year, there's about 1,100 chemicals released into our environment that the FDA can't even assess. New chemicals. New, New chemicals. New yeah, yeah, so the, we're over, we're over 90,000 total chemicals right now that we haven't even got to. Yeah. So anything that's foreign to our body, meaning it's not something our, our immune system says, that's going to be good to build muscle tissue or that's going to be good to build this type of cell. If it's foreign, it's not recognized, it gets treated like a virus or bacteria or parasite. And so it becomes a, a toxin, if you will. So our body's got to get store it or get rid of it. And so um, uh, one of the other sayings we have here is the solution to pollution is dilution. Mm-hmm. So if you're hanging on to water in certain areas, then uh, you're polluted. And so you have to work on your detoxifying systems. And so for us, it's to start with the innate response, diet, exercise, uh, to help, uh, helps with a bunch of different areas. And then the hocket itself is something that actually can help open up the, the skin and the pores, get them sweating, but it also does some other things. I know you've done a, a few hockets uh, uh, with patients. Uh, actually, we all have, I think, yeah. as far as as patients and then also treating patients. But mm-hmm. what have you, what what's your favorite thing as far as what the hocket does? I like the fact it looks like a spaceship. That's why <laughs> I like, it's like stepping into a spaceship and turning it on. 
Yeah, I think my favorite part of it is probably the like skin condition too, like just helping with all types of skin conditions, whether you have dry skin or flaking skin or back knee or anything. It really improves all of that. But it's, I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff, and we haven't had it that long. I mean, we've had it for a while, but some people going in with rash stuff, all these mm-hmm. other sorts of things that really clear up from this, because really what you're doing with, because we didn't mention too, I mean, the, the hocket has something called ozone, and that ozone is something that's essentially a disinfectant. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it can get on the skin, it can help clean stuff off. There's a lot of other things, and I, I'm going to get shut down if I go too technical. Uh, <laughs> but yes, you would. Yeah. <laughs> but it's promoting not only skin health, but it's promoting, based on what you're absorbing into your skin, it's triggering your body to detox through other ways. So we see very often that even if it's not a skin problem, if it's an issue with detoxification of, from, from something else, that the hocket is going to stimulate that anyways. And one of the other things that our nurse practitioner, Mary, does along with that is IVs to support that too. So I think, I don't know, is glutathione worth talking about? Or are we, am I going to get I you know. I No, I love no. glutathione. It's the master <laughs> antioxidant. Let's go for it. How, how can you say no to the master antioxidant? <laughs> well, I wasn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, yeah, see, I'm going to go too technical. But I think somebody else... <laughs> Dr. Josh's job is to get technical. I know, I'm doing too much research, so I'm going to go into that. So Natalie's probably done the most hands-on with the hocket with patients in the room. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people have done the IV glutathione after that. Yes. You probably get a lot of questions about that, too. Yes. What's the best way that you've described kind of what that process looks like? So I usually describe it as the hocket does more so from, like, outside-in detoxing, and glutathione does inside-out detoxing. So Mm -hmm. we're kind of hitting it from both different aspects. Um, glutathione is the top intracellular antioxidant, and then we have the ozone helping to detox from like the skin level. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that combination can be really, really beneficial, as well as the hydration aspect of the IV after the hocket due to sweating and losing the fluids and everything. I'll have to use that. I have yeah. yeah, that's actually really answer. good. We just should have told that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nana's been holding out. <laughs> Yeah, that was well, that was well explained. Wow. Yes, thank you for explaining that better than yeah. I yeah, did. <laughs> yeah. I've only got asked that like 500 and some times yeah, now. Yes. <laughs> so let's tie that into what we're talking about, the thermography and the, and the women's health stuff. Because we had said, if we're doing the thermography, we're identifying some of these issues, many of which are detoxification-related breakdowns. And so it's not uncommon for us to say, hey, you've got this finding on the thermography, let's do a detoxification type program where we're employing these things. What else, like when you have women that you work with, other than you know focusing on the skin, doing the hock at all this stuff, are there any other key pieces that we should be you know, thinking about for uh, detoxification? Whether it's supplement stuff, whether it's, you know, we're doing diet stuff, some sort of yeah. program, like what is that, what does the process overall look like if somebody's coming in for that? Yeah, I guess I talk a lot about too, removing the negatives. So we can detox you all we want, but if you're still using like traditional cosmetics and cleaners and stuff like that, um, then we're really not benefiting you in any way. So I think a big thing is pulling out some of the environmental toxins that you're exposing yourself on the day-to-day basis. I think the average female actually puts on 19 cosmetics, whether it's hairspray, um, heat protectant, cause like different types of makeup and stuff before they leave the house every single morning. So just making sure that we have good quality 
products that we're using in our house. That's more than I have in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys use the same soap for everything. Yeah. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's not a judgment on all men. That's just the men of synapse. But uh, to, to that point, that was my question I just wrote down, is why do women seem to need more help with detox than men? And I, I have a thought, but I uh, want to hear from you guys. Even if it's inaccurate, just throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you think women need more help with detox than men? Or is that even not an accurate statement in yeah. your minds? I feel like a lot of it does go with just the cosmetic and, uh, like, view of women just in general and I feel like we're expected to wear makeup and have our hair done and use different soaps and scrubbers and exfoliators and everything so we're this perfect looking person and I don't feel like that pressure is the same on the guys but no no it is not (laughs) that's a big part of it I think you know women are going to have different hormone requirement Mm -hmm. going on than men will Um, that's going to play a role because if we talk I, I see a lot even different genetic reasons for why a person's not going to process their estrogen correctly. Yeah. And women are going to have a lot more estrogen than guys will. Not to say that guys won't have a problem with that, because I think one of the other things is yeah. guys don't show up here looking for detox because they're stubborn and they don't know that they need it. Yes. Yeah. So women know the that they should. Yeah, that's yeah, the other side of it. Yeah, the women women by far are more proactive with their health than guys. Yeah. By yes. far. But at the same time, when you look and actually do a deep dive into the chemicals that are released into our environment, I think women get exposed to more chemicals that mimic estrogen mm-hmm. than than men do. And it's in makeup and it's in things like that. A lot of the endocrine disruptors that are dumped into our water systems uh, affect women more than, than men, per se, simply because of the fact that a lot of them mimic estrogen. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that women in general get exposed to toxins more. Yeah. more than the guys do. But we've done toxicity testing. So we, we run urine yeah. toxicity testing where we, we do a urine test and we that test result says these are the, and doesn't look for everything, but common toxins and are they elevated. Mm-hmm. One thing I tell people is that you look through that whole list, there aren't zeros on that list. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, a, there's an acceptable amount of every single thing on there, mm-hmm. but that's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, we don't, I say that, we never see zero because you can't get away from it. You drink it, you breathe it, you eat it, you put it on your skin. Yeah. But I've tested guys and I've tested women and both of them come back with stuff. Yes. So, I, mean, I think that's an important point to know. But I do find too, because we look at like the, the phthalate mm-hmm. kind of uh, category of things that's very common in cosmetics. Mm-hmm. And there are certain women where we get that test back and those are the things that are high. Mm-hmm. And often it's just a matter of, scrutinize what you're putting on your body, like you said, mm-hmm. and figure out, is that your exposure? Because we want to reduce the exposure. Yeah, as much as possible. And, and people, it takes a long time, but I think you'll be shocked that when you clean up your lifestyle when it comes to chemicals, just even just being conscious about it, eating organic and eating and putting stuff clean in and on your body, that does pay off in the long, long haul. It really, really does. And from a women's health perspective, it helps with hormone regulation indirectly, menopause, handling all of that stuff. Because if you've got all these extra toxins that are mimicking hormones, it's going to mess with your normal hormones anyways. So that's another reason why I think we see more women coming in. It's because a lot of these issues present as hormone-related problems. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. The men aren't going to see that stuff until they get older because the hormone issues in men are going to be prostate problems. And it's going to be Mm -hmm. different cancers that don't show up until they're older. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I have one final question. I'm going to put Dr. Natalie on the spot because I like asking this. Dr. Natalie was an intern uh, here for a very good intern here before she came on as a practitioner. And in your observation, because she was in the room with me all the time with these patients, helping out and everything, when it comes to women's health, just from a purely observational perspective, what's your one takeaway as far as uh, things that were beneficial for what you saw as far as women's health? If you can't think of anything, it means that I didn't help one woman. In the entire <laughs> oh, time. gosh. Oh, way to put me on the spot. Um, what, what aspect are you talking about? Like, what is the... What would you say was uh, impactful that surprised you? As someone learning when you were at that stage of learning, what was surprising about women's health that, uh, that had an impact uh, that you saw generally throughout your time there with... with the actual patients that are coming through the door. Yeah, I think what the most impactful would probably be is number one, the education, because some women don't even know that there's different types of estrogen that should be at different levels. Um, and then the second thing would be how the hockey plays into the women's health and balancing hormones, whether that's PMS symptoms, helping through menopause, um, just all of that aspect as well. Good. Well, thanks, guys. We'll, uh, we'll have to do this topic again another time. Yeah, for sure. No circumstances be considered medical advice or a substitute for medical care. Any information given in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease and is at the user's own risk. Please first consult a licensed healthcare professional.